Philippians chapter 4. Today I'm teaching, I'm speaking like a father because the section that we are studying today is a little bit different from the rest of the sections. And I just want you to make your confession with me and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Therefore, I care less this morning what the devil says, what my situation says. I am what the Bible says I am. And I'm ready for the word of God this morning to experience the touch of the living God in every area of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. As you take your seat, sit comfortably in the presence of God. Father, we are so grateful yet for one more time to sit in your presence, to be taught the oracles of God, the ways of God. As you are about to speak, we allow you to speak, not my mind, but your mind, not my experiences, but your ways and your word. Let your word be taught with such confidence and authority, and let there be no spirit that stands against your word as it's spoken. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. amen. Listen, gentlemen, won't you give God a hand for the mighty woman of God that so happens to be my wife? <laughs> she is not a mighty woman because she is my wife. She's just a mighty woman of God that happened to be my wife. And I'm so privileged to spend my days with her. Hallelujah. Somebody say, the Lord is good. The Lord is good and his message endure forever. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, exhortations to the church. We are now in week 4 and we are teaching throughout. I trust that the Lord is speaking to you. Last week we spoke about peace, how much a peaceful people we are, that we are called to a life of peace. And that peace should be our umpire. Somebody say umpire. The governor, the arbitrator of decision making in our lives. And we also learned that God has a character of not jumping to save you too soon. But allowing you to go through stages of life, sometimes through storms. And he keeps quiet deliberately so that he builds a character of resilience within you. God is not building sissies. I want to make that clear. God is interested in building a strong man out of you. God is interested in building a strong soldier out of you. Therefore, sometimes when you are going through storms, he won't rush to take you out. Because he knows what storms are able to do out of you. Building a stronger woman out of you. Building a strong man out of you. So that's the kind of God we serve. When, when they were about to sing, Jesus was sleeping deliberately to test their faith. That's why the last statement he says, says, oh, you of little faith. In other words, this came in order to strengthen your faith. This came in order to make you stronger. When Neshadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to go into the fire, they were praying that God would save them from the fire, but they said, nevertheless, even if he doesn't save us. And guess what? He did not remove the fire. The fire remained. And he allowed them to be put in the fire. But then in the fire, he showed up. Inside of the fire, he showed up. Perhaps the God you're looking for is inside the fire. Do not avoid the fire. For within the fire, you will meet him. 
The same with Daniel as they put him in the lions. God did not stop them from putting him into the lions. And most of us were praying that Lord don't put us in the lions. He says, hey, you are supposed to see my power. And how are you going to see my power unless you're put within the lions? And he allowed Daniel to be placed in the lions. And the Bible says he shut the mouth of lions. And all of a sudden, lions saw another lion. Because the lion of Judah was sitting with Daniel. And there is no way they could bite him because they saw another lion within the lions. And God is in the process of building that kind of a man out of you. Sometimes your things will fall apart and God seems to be saying nothing. Listen to me, God is producing a mighty man out of you. God is making a strong woman out of you. Out of the storm, somebody great is coming out. Is somebody hearing me? Paul says persecutions produce perseverance. And perseverance produces patience. And patience produces character. Somebody say character. You've got to have character. By the time you are placed in your palace, you know what a pit looks like. Because in the pit, your character is being built. Palaces don't build characters. By the time you are in a palace, it's too late to build your character. And as a matter of fact, if your character has not been built, the palace will destroy you. Palaces are for those whose characters have been already developed. And therefore, do not rush for your palace without going through your pits. And do not run away from the pits that God allows you to go through. And sometimes you go through prisons of life. He's preparing you for your palace. Because the palace is demanding. The palace demands that which has been deposited within you all these years. Can I begin to teach today's teaching? Somebody say Philippians chapter 4. Verse 10. Can we read together? He says the following. He says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last. Somebody say, now at last. Your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I also know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you send aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound, and I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things that you have sent unto me, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing unto God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Finally, today we get to study the context of those two most important spotted verses. Philippians 4.13, which for some reason when I copied the scriptures, my, my copier left out that verse that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's our favorite scripture, isn't it? 
And then Philippians 4.19, for my God shall supply. And we have even changed the words. We say all my needs according to his riches. Whereas it was Paul declaring it upon those who had given something to him. Can we now get the context of those two scriptures finally? Tell you if I'm ready to learn. Can I begin like a teacher and, and put a few things on the screen? I think it's there on your screen. That there are three baskets of money that you have right now in your life. Three baskets of money. Somebody say baskets of money. The first one is your giving basket. Is it there on your screen? The second one is your what? It's your savings basket. And the third one, which is where everyone is, is your consumption basket. Consumption. I want to ask, how, how much of you is here and how much of you is here and how much of you is here? How much of you is in giving? How much of you is in savings? And how much of your income is in consumption? And may I say to you, before I even begin to teach, that a lot of people are almost 106% here. In other words, they consume even that which they don't even have. They have nothing in savings or let alone giving. Don't even talk giving. Like, giving. consumption. And today, may I speak to you, please? May I speak to you? If I can, I don't want to preach. I just want to speak to you. Just speak. A fellow black man speaking to you. A fellow black brother speaking to you today. That you need all three baskets. And the third one, the reason why the third one, which is consumption, is put number three, it is to show you that's not the emphasis of your life. Even though you are spending everything that you are earning on number three, which is consumption, but the reality of life is you are supposed to start on number one. And every time we speak to you about number one, you are always offended. You do not understand that God wants you to begin in number one because number one builds character within you. Number one sets you up for greater things. Number one, it is the only area of the three that transcends between the physical into the spiritual. I want to repeat that. Number one, which is giving, is the only area of the three baskets that has the capability to transcend between the physical into the spiritual aspects of your life where the real issues begin. Without giving, you are an ordinary being. But someone who gives has the ability to speak into the spiritual from physical. But someone who eats everything that they earn cannot begin to engage the spiritual. You can't even rebuke a spiritual, I mean a financial demon. Therefore, giving it's much more important than even your savings and consumption. Some of us are strong in savings, which is very good. Whereby 10% of your income goes into savings. You are, you are saving some money. By the way, giving is not even long term. It's eternal. If you talk about timing. Giving has got eternal effect. Giving has got not long term. Because long term is for what? Savings. This is long term. Long, somebody say long term. Savings is for long term. Giving is for eternity. It's, it's got eternal results. Sometimes my giving has saved a soul. 
has brought a family to Christ. My giving has made somebody to be sober, live alcohol because of your giving. And therefore your reward is also eternal reward. You see that in Galatians chapter 6, where it says, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he reap also. For he who sows in the flesh shall also reap in the flesh. This is the flesh. He who sows in the flesh will also reap in the flesh. But he who sows in the spirit will also reap eternal life. He's not only talking about doing spiritual things. He's also talking about giving into spiritual things. That you reap eternal life by being a giver into spiritual things. I don't want to preach. I want to teach. Am I teaching you something? Whereas savings, somebody say savings. He who eats all his money and never thinks about the future is a fool. So therefore, when you receive your money, firstly, it's eternal issues, and then secondly, it's future issues. Eternal issues, and then future issues. You therefore begin to think about possibilities of emergencies in your house, emergencies in your family, and therefore you begin to set aside money that will take care of emergencies. I mean, it is sinful for you, to, whenever you have an emergency, you go to Mashonisa. It is sinful against your children. It is travesty of justice that whenever there is an emergency of plumbing, you have to go see Mashonisa in order to fix a pipe. Simply because your consumption desires are too high to a point where you don't think about the immediate future. You don't think that the future will one day demand something out of my pocket. If you are a child of God and you're hearing me now, begin to look at your finances according to these three baskets. How much of what I have goes into future? And that has nothing to do with God. It has to do with life and wisdom. Savings include investments. Appreciating assets that you invest your money in, businesses that you get yourself involved in, policies that will save for future, ordinary savings that are accessible within 32 days, and even savings that are accessible immediately. All of that gets into that basket. And if, if your money does not talk to that area, you are not doing good for yourself and your children. You got to have some savings. I don't care how much you earn. It doesn't matter. This has nothing to do with how much you earn. It has something to do with the direction of your heart. Because even when you earn a million, you will still have high desires. You still want to drive the yacht. Because when, when you're in the millions, you're no more talking scooter. You talk the yachts and you talk the aeroplane and you talk the jets. And they, they, they come with their own problems. There is no free ride in this life. Whether you're in 4,000 or you're in 4 million, you have some problems. And the more money you have, the more problems you have. Unless you understand principles of life. Do not live just on consumption. And a lot of people that I'm speaking to both on live and in this building, they are very heavy on consumption. They just don't want to see money in their bank account. It's like bakabene ne mali bakabene hey when ufuna na account ni puma puma ufuna na ku account yami iti mai kungolo esvari ingenile esvari ya kungena sevi and 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 it must not last 
It must not stay. You're going to reach a point in your life where you have a very friendly relationship with money. Money must feel comfortable around you. Money must not be scared to come into your space knowing that it will be blown away in two minutes. It must know that I'm coming into a good space and I'm going to be used to even bring others to join me. I will not be thrown out. Therefore, be aware of these three baskets. And the most important is the first one, and this is where I'm teaching today. Number one, giving. And now I got your attention. Now I got your attention. I'm sure you can hear me better now after speaking about your savings. You can hear me now. The forgiving is the only of the three baskets that has a spiritual aspect to it. It translates your money into the spiritual and it builds what I call character capital. Giving builds character capital. Capital. Character capital. God builds your character when it comes to your area of giving. So many of you, you have had a chance. God wanted to build your character and you keep on pulling back. He wants to build your character. You keep on pulling back. You even argue about tithing. I mean, when are you going to start giving 100% when you're arguing about 100? I mean, 10%. Because the intention and the ultimate goal is that you should give even 100%. Did you know that? God wants to have your heart. And he does not want your heart. He does not want money to have your heart. God wants you to be his and him alone. No one else. And why is giving able to transcend into spiritual things and not just remain money alone? In other words, the money that are placed in God's hands becomes other issues and not money. I want to repeat that. Everything that you put in God's hand, it becomes that which you need and not the money you have placed in his hands. He would place a rod on the floor that was placing a rod in God's hands. And God turned the rod into a snake, something that he's going to need in the immediate future. So whatever you place in the hands of God, it turns into that which you need. So it is, it, is, it is money, but it is not money. It is money that transacts and becomes an answer to whatsoever you need right now in this life. Because your money is your life. Amen. Amen. Your money is your Say, my money is my life. Is that true? Is that true that your money is your life? Yes, it is. How do you get money? By working. If you get it in any other way, I, I'm worried. I am worried. How do you get money? By working. Let's all agree. How do we get money? No other means. Working could be in a form of a business. That's still a form of working. Working could be in a form of investments. That's still working. But entirely, man shall work. Paul says, let him who lets find work to do. So that he will steal no more. Paul says that. Because in other words, when you don't work, you will steal. Hey. Therefore, Paul says, find something to do with your hands in order to generate income. God will not bless you when you are sleeping. He bless you 
with the works of your hands. He multiplies your silver in your, and your gold in your hands. Therefore, you've got to find something to do and begin to do it. And you've got to plan for it and do it. Work is a blessing, not a curse. God gave Adam work before he was cursed. Therefore, don't talk to me about work being a curse because work was introduced to Adam before there was a curse. Is somebody hearing me? And finally, giving has the ability to break the spirit of mammon in our lives. If you don't give, the spirit of mammon has got, gotten hold of your spirit. One of the reasons why you are not tithing is the spirit of mammon on you. Mammon is the system of the world that says, no, you've got debts. You've got commitments. You can't, you can't tithe. You are committed. Edgar's wants their money. True, that's mammon speaking. To a point where you cannot honor your God because mammon has got a hold of your purse. Mammon is calling the shots in your house. Not Jehovah Yahweh. And the Lord wants to be first in your house in order to make you first in his hands. God wants to be first in that purse of your life, in that purse of your family. And giving has got that ability to break the mammon spirit within us. Whether I've got debts or not debts, whether my business is doing good or not doing good, I shall always bring that money to the feet of Jesus because I have committed myself financially to him. And that's why when there's financial storms, I don't panic. Because I have a master who sits over the finances and who directs the course of our issues. Now, when it comes to giving, there are two, do I have a chalk duster? There are two streams, and I think I put it on your screen because of time. I'll just, there are two giving streams and opportunities. Somebody say opportunities. There are two giving opportunities, and then I begin to read the passage. I was introducing the passage. Can you believe it? I'm still introducing the passage. I haven't even begun with the passage. There are two, somebody said two streams of giving. It's there in your Bible. Number one is what? Is there on your screen? And number two? House of the Lord. Two opportunities. And the reason why I get there is because of what Paul begins to address in that chapter. That you've got two opportunities to interact with the spiritual. You've got two opportunities to, to translate your money into spiritual matters. Number one, it, it is in the area of the house of the Lord. And number two, it is in the area of the man of God. And the two are not one. Even though the two are interchangeably the same thing. But the two are not one. And the Bible makes a distinction of the two. Why two I'm pledge? You know, I love this passage I'm about to read because it is so precisely the position I'm in right now. The way Paul speaks, I can speak exactly the way Paul speaks. With confidence. Let me go to the passage and, and begin to show you why I say this. Paul begins to reflect on the generosity of the Philippians and he, he takes it personal. He says the following. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me, not the care for the house of the Lord. Has been clear up. He says, Your care for me. He says, Your care for me has flourished again. In other words, it was once good and it, it fumbled at some stage and now it has begun to grow. He says, Though you surely did care. In other words, even though your giving had dropped at some stage, 
It is because you lacked opportunity. And today, that's what I want to teach about, opportunity. He says you lacked opportunity. You lacked opportunity. You lacked opportunity. You lacked, somebody say opportunity. 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 If, if you don't understand this, let me bring the context of the Shunammite woman and begin to show you what a man of God represents as far as an opportunity for giving is. Opportunity to give. When there is an anointing around you, it is an opportunity. It is an opportunity. It is an opportunity to tap into the spiritual. It is an opportunity to transcend into that which ordinarily your money cannot do. Look at the Shunammite woman. The Bible says she was rich. She had everything she wanted. Except the area of her womb which was shut by the Lord. And she could not have children. But she was rich. She had everything. Somebody say she had everything. And, and there was a man of God who was passing by the area. Now and again he would pass by. And the Bible says she would beg him to come by. She would beg. She would go out and stop the man of God. She spotted the anointing and she begged that the anointing must come into her home. And not because she needs anything. And this is very important. To give out of honor, not of desperation. Because most of us begin to want the feet of God when we are in trouble. Jesus, how much you want, I will give it to you now because I'm falling apart. That's not what God is talking about. When your things are okay, you still want to honor God. So the woman is okay. She's fine, but she spots the anointing and says, no, I can't let the anointing pass by without me tapping into the anointing. Not because I'm desperate, but because I spot an anointing and I want to honor the anointing. But also, the anointing is not desperate. Elijah has never demanded that I want something out of your family. Elijah was content with himself, just like Paul says, I'm content. In other words, we're speaking about a man of God who does not demand or does not even need any of your aid. But because of revelation, you understand the opportunity. Oh God, I wanted to get this. If you're waiting for your man of God to be broke in order for you to give, you're waiting for you to help, to assist, and not to honor. If, if the only motivation you will ever have in order to give into an anointing is when there is a need, then you've got it wrong. Because your giving is not in honor, it's in helping. And you are helping out of compassion and sympathy. That's a need. But Paul and Elijah speaks of a different scenario where they are not in need. But however, you got to, you got to understand how you spot an opportunity for sowing in fertile ground. It is not because you see a need, it's because you recognize an anointing. So she brings in the anointing into her home. She begins to take her of the anointing. She begins to give him drink and food. And the Bible says he became a continuous visitor and guest to the house to a point where she says, Husband, you know what? I've spotted something about this man. 
Every time he's in our home, I can sense an anointing around him. Can't we build something for him in our home so that when he passes by, he would rest? The real interpretation is, I want the anointing to also rest in my home. I am not broke. I'm wealthy. I'm rich. As a matter of fact, we are rich. I'm, I'm talking about the Shunammite woman. We are rich. The Bible says she was rich. We are rich. We lack nothing, but we lack the anointing. And we need the anointing in our lives. Can we do something for the anointing? Not because we are desperate, but because we want to honor the anointing. Even though the anointing has not demanded anything out of us, but out of our own volition, we want to tap into the anointing. And the Bible says the husband agreed, and they built up a place for the man of God. And the man of God came and he rested in their home. As he rested in their home, the anointing begins to wrestle with the needs of the home. Without the woman knowing. The anointing begins to spot needs that the family has. And the family is not aware. Because sometimes you think you have everything until the anointing exposes your needs. And show you that you don't have all that you think you have. An anointing spotted a need that she never thought she hers. And the anointing did not even ask that she wants the need. The anointing says, I will meet that need for you. Without her even asking. And indeed, the need was met. The woman didn't know that she actually needs a child. But the anointing demanded that the child be brought in. Even when the child had problems, it was the same anointing that begins to rise up. And say, I am the one who brought this child and I am the one who will fight for that child. Because I am the one who brought up the child. The same anointing that brought the child. Listen to me this morning. The anointing that you honor is the anointing that you will experience. It's the anointing that will fight for you. The anointing that you honor. The anointing that you honor. I hope I'm teaching somebody this morning. Honor the anointing. Learn to recognize the anointing. Take opportunity of the anointing. Take advantage. Take advantage of the anointing. I'm speaking spiritual language today. Take advantage of the anointing. You shouldn't struggle the way you are struggling when there is such anointing in your midst. When there's such grace in your midst, learn how to tap into an anointing. Stop godling everything to yourself and look at your three baskets. Where is your money? How much of the anointing is being tapped with your money? Or is everything in your savings and in your consumption? Have you ever tapped into your anointing with your money? The Bible says this woman brought a, an alabaster box and broke it at the feet of Jesus. It was worth a wages of the entire year. They even began to complain and say, but we could have taken this to the poor. Because that's another form of giving. But Jesus says, wait a minute, she has done a great thing. Because she brought all her living to where the anointing is. There is a difference between giving to the poor and honoring the anointing. It's never the same. It's never the same. 
Don't tell me, Pastor, every month I'm taking care of orphans. I'm taking care of some young people. That's where my mind is going. Well done. There is a reward for you. The Bible says you are loaning unto the Lord and the Lord will refund you. But there is a difference between giving downwards and giving upwards. Because when you give upwards, the anointing has to fall downwards into your space. I believe in giving upwards. Because giving upwards is honoring. Whereas giving downwards is helping. It's taking care of those who are less privileged than you. And sometimes, but when it comes to the anointing, it's about recognizing the area where you cannot reach all by yourself and you need a superpower to come into your space and move certain mountains that ordinarily you yourself can never move. I want to teach you today. Because a lot of people are spiritually blind. And they don't understand spiritual matters. They are like the disciples of Jesus says, what a waste. How could you take, take the whole entire earnings of a year and break them at the feet of a man? Jesus was not just a man. Jesus was God. Jesus was the anointing. Jesus was eternity. And Jesus says, wherever this woman, wherever this gospel shall be preached, this woman's name shall be mentioned. She has just done a great thing. Until today, we speak about the woman with an alabaster box. Till today. That's what the anointing is able to do. She's more famous than some of the disciples. Because some of the disciples have not yet discovered. They even died without discovering the power of the anointing. They were with the anointing, but they never got the anointing. The anointing was around them, but they did not understand who Jesus was. But the woman who was from outside understood who Jesus was. Because you can't be with Jesus and still don't know who he is. You can be around an anointing and still don't know the anointing. And you see the anointing prospering, but the rain never falls on your house. Because you don't recognize. Your eyes have never been opened to see the anointing in your midst. Oh boy, I wish you can catch this. There's a reason why God had to raise up Paul. And left Peter and the rest because they were delaying the plan of God. They lost revelation. They couldn't understand who Jesus truly was. Paul was never part of the 12, but Paul was responsible for the new church. Paul was responsible for bringing forth the grace of God. He was never part of the 12 because the 12 never had a revelation of who Jesus truly was. And Jesus had to go outside of the circle to find a man who will understand this issue. And he brought Paul in. Revelation. You can be with an anointing and still don't catch it. And still don't catch it. And still don't catch it. Prosperous anointing and you remain broke. Rich anointing, wealthy anointing and you remain poor. Because you don't understand the anointing. May God open your eyes to see. Can, can, I, can I read Paul's readings? Because I have not yet read what Paul has written. Can I read what he reads? He said, I was still introducing. He says, he says, not that I speak in regard to need. You see, that's where I want to zoom in, even if I don't finish today. Not that I speak regarding a need. 
Because every time we speak about offering, you think there's a need. Because when uh, you are so tuned to want to meet needs, you are not tuned to honoring, even where there's no need to honor. Like Murut doesn't need anything, but because there are those people who will only give to Murut when Murut is broke. Until he's broke, we don't see. So Paul says, not that I speak of a need, because I don't have need. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. And this is the posture of all men of God. Men of God must be content. Men of God must, must be content. Men of God must, must never be hungry for money and want money out of people. They must live a content life. So this is the posture that every man of God must carry themselves with. He says, in whatever state I am, I'm content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's Paul. And we take this scripture out of context. Of course, we, we use this scripture for a whole lot of things. Like for a whole lot of things. I can do all things through Christ. But this is the original context. That even though you sometimes forget about me, I've learned to survive, Paul says. Even though sometimes you don't even care about me, I'm content. But however, hear me this morning. Let not the contentment of Paul make you not see the opportunity. I wish you kept that word. Let not the contentment of a man of God make you not see the opportunity to sow and plant into the anointing. The fact that they are content must not rob you of the opportunity to tap into the grace. Because this is how God has structured his kingdom, his servants, and his house. And I speak again like Paul, not that I have a need. And I say that again, not that I have a need. And this is honest and genuine. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I mean what I'm saying, not that I have a need. Because I've learned to be content. I've learned to, how to live in abasement and I've learned how to learn to live also in abundance. I can do all things through Christ. But let not my contentment make you miss the opportunity. Let not my contentment blind you and rob you of what Paul calls an opportunity. And that's what I wanted to get this morning. Opportunity. Tell your neighbor, opportunity. Opportunity. I, I am in need of nothing, Paul says. I, I'm okay. I wanted to jump with me. Go to the latter part. He says, now you Philippians... Know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. In other words, you guys are excellent. You beat all churches. Even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not, he, he repeats again. He says, not that I seek a gift. Not that I seek a gift. Not that I seek a gift. Say it with me, not that he seeks a gift. Not that I seek a gift. But I seek, look at the part he says, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. <clears throat> I am after the fruit that will abound to your account. I'm after the fruit that will abound to your account. Because I know that there is something that God has set up in every house. That when they honor the man of God, when they honor the anointing, when they honor the house of the Lord, there is something that happens to their account. And that's what I'm after. I'm not after your gift, Paul says. And I also say that this morning. Tell your neighbor, he's not after your gift. 
mmotso ke ka mitse morute only only pastor kika said that say we know you are not after our gifts but i want to see you prosper it breaks my heart to see you struggle financially and i can't help you listen to me i i can take money and give you but it will be consumed in a week and it will be gone in a second i can pay your debt that you have right now that that i say with confidence i can do i can do that but i'll be helping you with nothing what i'm teaching you is more than me giving you money If, if you could just grab the spirit of my heart, how God has designed this system in order for you to prosper. Don't ask me, pastor, how do you do it? I always answer you on the pulpit every Sunday, how we do it. This is how you do it. You tap into an anointing. You recognize an opportunity and you learn how to honor the anointing. For it is in honoring the anointing that you account. Because you have an account. The Bible says you have an account. You have an account. But most of us, our accounts are on minus. We have not begun to interact with the anointing to begin to create a flow into our account. We are actually draining our accounts. We are demanding things out of God. But we have never activated the anointing to work on our behalf. I'm here to challenge you this morning. This is not a sermon. I'm talking to your spirit. Have spiritual eyes. Understand how the things of God operate. Years ago when I didn't have anything and my wife was even pregnant at some stage, I couldn't even afford to buy food when she is even pregnant. But even in a state of abasement, I will never forget this, I would still take 100 rand every Sunday. And I said, my wife, we have to do this. Every Sunday, we're taking 100 rand to the kingdom of God. Back in 1998, I don't know how many years ago that is. Some 22 years ago. 100 rand every Sunday. If 100 rand is still difficult for you, we did that 22 years ago. Every Sunday, without fail. This is on top of our tithes and offerings. Because we felt that our case is urgent. We felt that we, at that time the church was saying give 10 rands. And the Lord says, no, 10 rand is too small for you. Where I'm taking you does not require 10 rent. You must understand that your level of giving must match where you're going and not where you are. If you're giving according to your state, you're not prepared for your future. You've got to give according to your aspirations. You've got to give according to your vision. You've got to give according to your dreams. Let your giving reflect your dreams. Let your giving reflect where you're going. And some of you, you're mocking your future. And I'm rebuking you this morning. You're joking. You're joking with your future. The anointing presents an opportunity every Sunday. And you're playing. You come with five rand. But when you get out of here, spatel does not cost five rent. Marawana, your future is cheaper than spatel. It is reflected in how you interact with the basket. It is reflected in how you are, your relationship with. Listen to me. When I come to church, when I don't have money, I will borrow. Trust me. 
If I so happens to be in the midst of the house of the Lord and I have nothing in my pocket, I will go and borrow. Portia knows. She's almost my bank. I always say, can, can you give me some, please? And she'll give me a hundred and I'll say, no, that's not enough. Because that, that used to be then. I can't, I can't give hundred bucks. Don't even try and give me ten rand. I, don't, 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 don't try. Because I don't want ten rands in my life. No, I don't. I don't want 10 rents in my life. I don't want 10 rents. I could do So when I begin to interact with the anointing, I interact with the anointing with respect and honor because I know what the anointing is capable of doing. The anointing is bigger than my studies. It's bigger than my degrees. It's bigger than my knowledge and strategies. The anointing is greater. The anointing can open up doors that my degrees can never open. Oh, come on, somebody. I challenge you this morning to challenge yourself and learn to honor God. As a student, when I shared this story, I cried tears. Back in 1991, I don't know where were you, some of you were yet to be born. I went to varsity. I had nothing. I had no one. I had no one and nothing. Those two words, no one and nothing, that's so painful. You're so intelligent as a child. You're so brilliant as a kid. But there is no father. There is no mom. There is no uncle who is even willing to risk their last cent for your sake. Seeing that you are intelligent. But I had a God. Thank God I got born again when I was still doing my standard seven. I discovered Jesus and, and I came to know him as my father. And I began to learn how to give in when I, as I was a, a pupil. I don't know what you call high school kids, whether you call them pupils or students. But I learned to give even when I was high school. I had some faith. Whatever money, little man I would get, I would give into the house of God. And I learned this story when I was small. And I go to varsity, I have nothing. And God began to visit me in my room and say, young man, I'll take care of you. Because you've walked with me. I'll take care of you. I remember I was sleeping that Saturday afternoon in my dormitory. I have nothing to eat and I have, I've, I have rotten clothes. My clothes are torn apart. Rags and even my bed and one man just knocked at my door and said, the Lord has touched me to come and take you to town and buy your linen. He changed my entire bedroom. My linen was made new. I said, wow, thank you, Father. And my mom would send me 30 rands every month as a student back in 91. 30 rands. 30 rents. That's all she could afford to send me via the post office. And the Lord touched my heart. He said, 30 rent cannot even afford to take care of your needs. Take the entire 30 rent. Throw it into the basket. And I said, Father, I know you have never let me down. And I, I took my entire 30 rent as a student and I'll throw it into the basket. And I'm left with nothing. So, if you're still, if you're still struggling with 10%, You, you argue about 10%. When, when some of us, God will say, give everything. I'll take care of the rest. And I'll never forget this. Where I had no soap to wash with, I had nothing. Because I'm a student. And, and God would bring people into my space. And I remember about halfway in the year, the first year of my life, adversity, halfway. I was called into the student offices and hired immediately. 
to take care of students and kids that were coming for winter school. And from that day, I was hired all my life in varsity. I've never left employment. From that day, halfway in the year, God gave me employment. I was a student in my first year, but from mid-year of my first year, I began to work for myself. I had money to take care of me, and I had money to send back home. Listen to me. Mom did not have to send me that 30 rand anymore. I would take money from me as a student and send it back to them. Because God showed up in my space. I know what the anointing can do. You can never argue with me. I don't care. I don't care what revelation you ever come up with. You can never tell me about the anointing. You can't. Because this anointing is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. All we can ever ask or even imagine. According to the power that worketh in us. God wants to take you out, young man. God wants to lift up the status of your family. He wants to push you from the back row to the front row. But you're too stingy for your future. You're too stingy for the anointing. You think the anointing is a joke. You think your deaths are the most important things. God says you must begin to take care of the anointing more than you take care of your debts. As a matter of fact, God has the ability to cancel all your debts and fast forward you to the fall of the road. Take care of the anointing. And not that the anointing needs you. The anointing is self-sufficient. And it is for that reason that the anointing is self-sufficient so that you don't pity the anointing, but you honor the anointing. That God has placed in your midst. And may God bless you with his word this morning. In Jesus name. Give the Lord a hand somebody. Woo God. Hallelujah. Thank you Father. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing with me, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You hear this morning, you say, Pastor, I've been touched by the word of God. I'm not born again, but Jesus has touched my heart this morning. And today I'm hungry for Jesus. I just want to be born again and accept him as my Lord and my Savior. If you're here, I want you to lift up your hand. Lift up your hand and accept Jesus.
as your Lord and your Savior. Lift up that hand. Lift it higher. Lift it up. God bless you. Lift it higher, girl. Lift it higher. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, brother. God bless you at the back. God bless you for accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. This side, lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. God bless you, my brother. Lift up your hand. Ashes, assist those that are accepting Christ this morning. Assist them. Assist them. Lift up that hand so that the ashes can pick you up. Lift up those hands, girls. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lift those hands. Ashes, help these two, two women in the front. That women over there, bring them over. Eternity is calling you. Eternity is calling your name. Eternity is calling your name. When the names shall be called in the Lamb's book of life, will your name be found in there? Will your name be found in there? Eternity is calling your name today. Do not resist this moment. Accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Let the Lord touch you. Let the Lord set you free. Let the Lord lift you up to another level. Mango Ben, help me lead this young people to the Lord this morning. Jesus is I Lord. believe in my heart, Lord. I believe in my heart, Lord. That you have raised him from the dead. That you have raised him from the dead. He died for me on the cross. He died for me on the and cross. His blood and his blood washed over me. Wash over me. I am coming to you, Lord. I am coming to and you, Lord. And I am saying, Father God. And I'm saying, Father May God. May the blood of Jesus wash May over me. May the blood of Jesus wash May over me. May the blood of Jesus cleanse me. May the blood of Jesus cleanse me. From all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. 
righteousness. I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father God. That as from today, that as from I today, am born again. I am born again. I am your child. I am your child. I am a new creation. I am a new the creation. The Lord is gone. I am now a child of I'm God. I'm now a child of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.